0: Hey, I'm so glad you're with us today. We are beginning today the start of our new series, Words to Live By. And what it's about is um, you are going to get to know some of the leaders in our church, pastors and a couple of our elders. As I interview them and ask them a few questions about their life and their background, I think it's gonna be really interesting for you. And then also we've asked each person to share with us from scripture a particular verse or passage that has had a big impact in their life. God's word is so rich and it's very diverse, but it's been really amazing to see how God has used his word in unique ways for each person. And as they share from that, uh, I think you're gonna be uh, challenged and encouraged as well. So today, our first guest is Mike Woodard, who is our the chair of our elder board. And Mike, welcome here. So glad you'd be willing to do this. And well, thanks for the invitation. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Um, you know, beginning with childhood. Let's start there. Uh, where were you born? What did your growing up family look like? Mm-hmm. Where did you live?
1: Well, I was born in a small town, USA, in a place called Marion, Michigan. Uh,
0: so are you a dual citizen?
1: I am a dual citizen. Okay. And uh, 700 people at its heyday. Mm. It's down to about 300 right now. Okay. I actually grew up in a log cabin that my parents built. Wow. They never had a credit card, and then they never had a mortgage. Wow, does that
0: cabin still exist? It still exists, my brother
1: lives in it. Wow. And um, I'm the fourth child. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, I have an older sister and And two older brothers. So there are the no pictures of me. You're the
0: baby that just had all the fun. And, yeah, that's right.
1: And, and there are no pictures of me. Of course, Because yeah. I'm the fourth. Yeah. My brothers got great joy <laughs> out of telling me I was adopted. Yeah, I, I know how that goes.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. And then, so did you stay in that place right through to high school, or did you move around at all?
1: No, stayed right there. Yeah. Um, grew up, and it was kind of a fun place to grow up. My father worked for a feed company. Mm-hmm. We had 40 acres, and it's kind of like growing up on a petting zoo. Mm. We had just about every type of animal that wow. was imaginable, and mm. there was a really nice river very near to where we grew up. Okay. So we could take the horses down to the river and swim, and it was just a, a very idyllic in many ways.
0: Mm. What kind of a student were you growing up?
1: Oh, interesting that you should <laughs> ask that. Well, I, I, um, up until junior high, I would not declare myself a good student. Mm-hmm. But I had a pivotal moment. Uh, It's funny thinking about it now. Uh, My two brothers who were ahead of me did very poorly. Mm. Mm -hmm. In fact, my brother that's next to me quit school when we would have ended up in the same class. Mm. He was three years older than I am. Wow. And one of my teachers shook his finger at me, this grumpy old guy, Mm. and said, you're gonna be just like your brothers. Mm. And there was like a switch went off.
0: You gotta prove him wrong.
1: Yeah, Mm. and the funny thing is, I graduated from high school, and I received an an honor that was named after that teacher. (laughs) That is really (laughs) great irony. He had passed away, or I would have Uh, gone and showed him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, wow. Okay, and so graduated from high school, where did your life take you after that?
1: Well, I uh, actually was, my academic career turned around, and it did Mm -hmm. quite well in high school, and went to university. And at uh, Karen, my wife, went Mm -hmm. to the same university Mm -hmm. at Central Michigan University.
0: So that's where you met?
1: No, we actually met in high school.
0: Okay, so you already knew each other. Yeah, her family
1: moved to town, Mm -hmm. and we were on the student council together and Mm -hmm. went to the same youth group, so lots of crossover.
0: So at what point did uh, Get Romantic
1: well, yeah <laughs> we kinda of off again, off again, on again uh-huh. relationship. I was the flaky one. Oh, okay. And so we'd date for a while and then I'd think, Oh, this is getting too serious. Mm. So it really wasn't until after we graduated from university. Okay. That uh, we did become serious.
0: Yeah. Now, did you have any side jobs while you're going to school, or or like what kind of things did you get for work experience?
1: Yeah, yeah, I had a a great educational institution. It was called a family-owned restaurant. Mm, And uh, learned lots and worked through high school, and then at university I had various jobs on campus okay so for the whole time in, in
0: the restaurant did you cook and serve like did you do a bus or cleanup and all of that did oh you... yeah i learned the
1: whole nine okay. yards and there are many funny stories that mm-hmm. would probably cause you never to want to eat at a restaurant
0: <laughs> again. yeah better not better not know that hey no no all right uh so how old were you when you got married
1: we were I uh, just turned no not yet i was just shy of 23 okay yeah.
0: Still fairly young.
1: Yeah, we and, both had graduated from university. Yeah. And...
0: OK, and then did you stay in that area? And when did you start having kids?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, after university, uh, both Karen and I ended up joining the staff with a interdenominational Christian organization mm-hmm. that worked with university students. Okay. And uh, I went to Edmonton, Alberta, and she went to Southern California. Oh,
0: lucky her!
1: Yeah, well, and then I proposed to her over that winter. Okay. And she said yes, and I thought that's true love. Mm-hmm. When you're gonna move from Southern California to Edmonton, Alberta?
0: Oh, you mean you didn't go from Edmonton <laughs> to Southern California? Oh, yeah, um, okay.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was in 1978.
0: Wow. So you've been married a long time. So, yeah. Yeah. And then children?
1: Four kids in rapid succession. Mm. I've always liked to challenge. Mm-hmm. And Karen wanted to have the kids before she was 30. All right. So we have four kids in five years.
0: Wow. That's close together. That's close together. So yeah. do you move right into a minivan pretty quick? Or?
1: Well, I'm also a little... Um, contrary so mm-hmm. I just couldn't conform to a minivan so, oh, really? so, what <laughs> so did we you had have? this big station oh, wagon wow. yeah okay. I couldn't buy a minivan wow.
0: <laughs> and so did you stay working for, for the same organization um, all this time
1: yeah and you're this, there today yeah 44 years okay so I've moved from student ministry to family life
0: right mm-hmm. and that's what you do now yep and Karen as well yes okay yeah That's amazing. Now, there's a side to you, Mike, that I don't know if everybody knows, which is a reason why we have a cycle here. Mm -hmm. Um, I have had the privilege of cycling with you, and that's been fun. Why don't you tell us a bit about your love for that and some of the things you've done with that?
1: Yeah, well, I I love adventure. Now, for all the parents out there that might hate me for seeing these things, I was an adult before I really engaged in these adventure Mm -hmm. activities. So all you kids, when you're adults, you can do these things. But I bundy jumped, I have jumped out of a mm-hmm. plane, mm-hmm. I have parasailed, paraglided, wow. you know, done a lot of yeah. adventure things. Mm-hmm. And one of them in the area of cycling, someone asked me if I wanted to cycle across Canada with them. Oh, sure. <laughs> it was a little bit <laughs> like that. I had, no, I had not ridden more than uh, about 150 kilometers before that.
0: Like total or in a day? Well, in In a day. day. Yeah, which is a lot, which is a lot in a day. Right,
1: but that was when I was 19. Yeah, And I took up the challenge when I was 59. Wow. So yeah, we rode across Canada, and then to kind of up the game, that was in 2014. Mm -hmm. This summer, we're riding from sea to sea to sea. So our plan is to start at the Arctic Ocean, Cycle to the Pacific Ocean and then to the Atlantic well,
0: Ocean of course because you're getting younger and fitter and stronger <laughs> that's <laughs> uh, right I, I love that honestly I really love that about you I think that's that's incredible
1: and it's not not just for fun I we are doing that. it as a, a charity ride for yeah. water wells in Africa yeah. yeah our goal is 66 water wells yeah
0: that's beautiful thanks for doing that mm. um, I mean obviously Jesus has been a big part of your life or is um, yeah, how did that? How did that really take root in your life? Love to hear that part of your story.
1: Well, as I mentioned, uh, growing up was kind of the best of times, but also there was kind of a worst of times element to it. Mm-hmm. My uh, parents, sorry, that's all right. <clears throat> my parents both struggled with mm-hmm. alcoholism, mm-hmm. and there was lots of things that went on. That uh, my mom ended up in the hospital for two weeks mm. as a result of the violence. Mm. And uh, in the midst of that, there was kind of this cloud of despair that moved into my life. Mm. And I actually started thinking that maybe life wasn't worth living. Wow. And uh, around this time, my sister started going to a youth group. Mm-hmm. And she became a believer through that youth group, started taking me to Sunday school. And I would never been to a Sunday school. Yeah. I was eight years old. Okay. and. And I remember asking the teacher questions like, okay, wait a minute. So if God made the world, who made God? (laughs) So Mm -hmm. she sent me off to talk to the pastor. Mm. Did he know anything? (laughs) He had a few things to say. But The funny thing is I don't remember what he said, Mm. but I do remember my sister asked me a question because I had so many questions. And she said, so, Mike, have you ever invited Christ into your heart? Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't know what that meant, but a few weeks later, there was an invitation given. And uh, I remember kind of sliding back and forth in the pew, and my sister mm. giving me the nod. Mm. And uh, I went up, and the pastor's wife explained just in such simple ways.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: And there were some things the dots connected mm. in that moment for mm. me. Because mm. I learned the stories, you know, I knew that, or at least hoped that God did love me. Yeah and that Jesus had died on the cross. Mm. And I surely knew, even at eight, that I was a sinner. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But I just didn't realize Jesus actually died for me. Wow. And so in that moment, when that was explained to me, I just thought, yeah, mm. why wouldn't I accept this? And she explained that you get a relationship with God that goes on forever mm-hmm. through eternity. Yeah, You're forgiven and you, also have Christ's Spirit living inside mm. of you to mm. help you live life. Yeah. And I thought, wow, okay, mm. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. And so that day I invited Christ in. Yeah.
0: And here you are. I mean, you've made a decision as a young boy, but mm. look, oh, it's it's a real testimony that you know that that has continued to be real mm-hmm. uh, to you and for you. Really excited today for you to share with us more about. Um, how God's Word has impacted you, and and I know it has something to do with the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so God bless you as you share with us today, Mike.
1: Thanks, Jim. Well, as I mentioned, I like adventure. And the title of this uh, small devotional really is Live the Adventure. And I think in spite of all the the adventures that I've had, there's nothing that compares to what I want to talk to you about as far as living the adventure that God has given to us. And the passage that I've picked is Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 21. I wanna read those for you. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This passage has been so instrumental to me. And let me tell you why. When I was a university student, as I mentioned, I had become a believer when I was eight years old. But I went off to the university very disillusioned. And during that time, there was a pivotal moment. And I thought that I was just the worst Christian because I broke all the rules, I tried really hard, but failed to live up to the standards that I thought were expected of me as a believer. I didn't realize that the source of power really comes from God's Spirit. This passage makes that really clear. Now, there's some things I love about this passage. The first is there's some pretty clear instruction. The first part of Ephesians chapter 1 to 3 really talks about the idea of what it means to be in Christ, to be a part of the body of Christ. And chapters four to six are really the practical outworkings, how to walk with God to a Gentile audience who needed to hear just simple instruction. And this passage had some pretty clear instruction. The first is, be very careful then how you live. Now, the word then, makes you think back in the paragraph uh, before this passage. And there's three really, really significant things from that passage. First of all, it identifies that we have a new identity, that we are beloved children and children of light. This uh, gives us a new identity in the family of Christ, and that God is our Father. And also identifies a new purpose, and that purpose is In verse 10, find out what is pleasing to God. And then third identity is, um, or the third item in the paragraph leading up to this, is a new accountability. And this is pretty frightening. It says, everything will become visible. So there's a significant accountability because God is light and brings to light all things. Now I remember uh, talking to a student on the university campus and he wasn't so sure he was a sinner. And so I suggested, well, maybe if we had a recording of everything he did in this past week and we played it in the student union building, that if he's not a sinner, that would be okay. And he agreed that no, he would not want that played in the student union building and that possibly there were some things that would classify as sin in his life. Well, God, in fact, understands that and loves us and has invited us to be his children, which is exciting news. So we are to be very careful then how we live. And Paul goes on to say, do not live as unwise, but live as wise. In verse 16 and verse 17, he says, don't be foolish. Now it's... it's um, interesting that the first verse in this chapter talks about us being beloved children. And I can just picture a father saying to his kids, and I probably have said to my kids, you know, be careful, be wise, don't be foolish. And so God is, God is giving us instructions um, on how to live. And we have a choice. We can be foolish, unwise, or we can be wise And um, there are two descriptors in verse 17. It says, making the most of every moment. Now that fits into my adventuresome spirit. I've kind of thought about, yeah, I wanna go for it. I wanna make the most of every moment. And then the other uh, encouragement in the area of being wise is understand what the will of the Lord is. Now you think about this for a minute. If you really want the best in life, and God is the author of life, and he is all wise, then understanding what his will is, it's a really good choice. Now, the question is, what is God's will? I'm sure that uh, many of you and I have used that question and had maybe some sleepless nights over that question. Well, there's a really general principle in this passage that uh, I think illustrates what God's will is. And that is, do not, this is verse 18, and in it he says, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now there's a contrast there Do not and do. And the do not is do not be drunk with wine. Now let me go back to my university story. The uh, Friday night before finals, my roommate, his girlfriend, and I got drunk. Now coming from a family that struggled with alcoholism, I had said I would never go there. And so I was at a, a pivotal moment. I realized, you know, this is not going the direction I want to go. Now, when I was drunk, it changed the way I talked, the way I walked, and the way I viewed the world. And that's the only time that I've ever been drunk. And it gave me a graphic illustration to this passage, a personal illustration to this passage. Because what God is saying is, don't do that. Because it leads to debauchery. Now, I like the sound of that word, debauchery, but really what that means is a habitual and unrestrained indulgence in lust and sensuality. And so that lifestyle leads to very destructive results, which I observed growing up. And so in contrast to that, Paul says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, thinking about what alcohol does in your blood, it changes the way you walk, the way you talk, and the way you view the world. There is a great parallel here because as we're filled with God's Spirit, and when I use the word filled, I'm not using it from the perspective, and the scripture is not using it from the perspective that we somehow get more of God's Spirit. The moment you invite Christ into your life, God's Spirit comes to live inside us. But He, as we're filled, we're directed and empowered. We surrender each area of our life, and sometimes you have to do it over and over again. In fact, the word for being is a present tense, which means be being, moment by moment, be filled with God's Spirit. Now, the thing that's really exciting about this, just think about this for a moment. So when Christ was talking to his disciples, he told them when he was ready to be crucified and he would leave them, he said, it's good that I go because my spirit will come and be in you. So can you imagine that? It's better to, be, to have God's spirit in us than it would be to be physically with Christ. Now that's mind blowing just to think about that. And what God's will is, is that we would be every moment directed and empowered by God's spirit. Now this is where the adventure really happens. So think about this for a moment. The God of the universe who has all the secrets to life, he knows the end and the beginning, he can direct you moment by moment. Let me give you an illustration. I was going on a trip, a missions trip with some university students got to the Vancouver airport, and it's funny, I had told some stories to the students about having to run to planes, and the words just came out of my mouth, I am tired of running to flights. And they announced that our flight was delayed and eventually canceled, and then they called us up to the desk, and they said, okay, now you have to run to the other end of the Vancouver airport to catch this flight. So instead of going from Vancouver to Miami, We went from Vancouver to Houston and then to Panama. Well, on my flight in Houston to Panama, I was seated next to a businessman. Now remember, I should not be on this flight. I should be on the flight to Miami. And as we're sitting there, um, we were talking about life. And I sometimes ask the question, so do you have any kind of spiritual background? Do you ever think about God or things like that? And he looked at me and he says, "You know, four of my relatives have died in the last 6 months." Yeah. I I think about life and death. And as we sat there, I just explained the gospel. And uh, right there in the flight, he opened his heart to Christ. Now, the thing that's incredibly exciting about this whole story is that God's spirit was in charge. I really believe it wasn't an accident. The flight was changed. I, I really believe it wasn't an accident that, God, that I was sitting next to this businessman. And I also don't believe that it was an accident. The God's spirit prompted me to ask that question to this guy. Talk about adventure. And this um, can be an everyday occurrence as we're willing to say, you know God, I want you to direct and empower me today in every situation. Because the other aspect that's really exciting is no matter how good you are, no matter how good I am in any area, God's better. And even in those areas that we're really bad at, God's better. And he can do above and beyond what we could think or ask. And so do not be controlled, because the issue is really control. When I was drunk, I was controlled by the alcohol in my blood, and you can be controlled by many things. You can be controlled by fear. You can be controlled by anger. You could be controlled by disappointment or or, um, many other uh, emotions, but what God is saying is, don't be controlled by those things, but allow my spirit to direct and empower you That's my will for your life. And the rest is just details. Just think about it for a moment. If we're really allowing God to direct us moment by moment, then we're gonna end up where he wants. In my geometry days, I learned that a line is just a series of points. So if I'm walking with God in this point, and this point, and this point, I'm gonna end up where God wants me. It's impossible not to which is very exciting, that allows us to live the adventure. Now, there are implications or results that show up in this. The passage goes on to say, um, I'm gonna repeat verse 18, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as you look at this, there is a relational impact that happens through this if we allow God's Spirit to direct and empower us. And so relationally, it describes it as we're gonna to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs because that's the overflow. You know, the one of the dilemmas that I had as I was trying to figure out the Christian life was I was putting pressure on myself to keep all the rules. And I was putting pressure on myself to be the kind of person that I thought I needed to be. But what this passage is saying, first of all, that's impossible. I remember somebody asking me, Mike, who do you think's better at living the Christian life, you or Jesus? Well, I didn't have to think too long about that. I know that Jesus is better. And then the next statement was, Mike, you need to allow him to do that in and through you, through his Spirit's filling. So the result of that filling is transformation. It changes the way... We talk, we're gonna to talk to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And then it goes on to say, we're gonna make music from your heart. Your heart will be transformed. God's spirit produces fruit. And that fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. In fact, you know, I think it would be a great survey to take is just have those characteristics on a piece of paper and just ask people, would you like these characteristics to be true of your life? And I'm absolutely sure that everyone will say yes. And then we could say, well, I think I know how they can be. Not that I think, I know how they can be because God is the source of those things. So your heart will be changed. And then your relationship with God will be changed. It says, that we will always be giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so our relationship will be, with God will change because as we allow him to direct and, and empower us, we will experience what he wants for us. We, not that everything will be perfect, but he will give us the resources to live through those imperfect things and we will have this attitude of gratitude that will flow from us because we see God's work every day as we trust him. And um, the fascinating thing as we think of this passage, the Trinity shows up. He says we're to be filled with the Spirit, we're to give thanks to the Father, and we do it in the name of Jesus. And so what an exciting thought as we consider the the implications of simply, moment by moment, allowing God's spirit to direct and empower us. Now, the last line talks about relationship change too. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And uh, we defer to one another because God is the master. He is our Lord. And the playing field is, in fact, I've heard someone say, the ground at the cross is level. We're all on the same plane. And so as we allow God to direct and empower us, it transforms the way we interact with one another. It transforms our heart. It transforms our relationship with God. And it results in this harmonious uh, relationship with one another. And so as I started with the thought of adventure, I want to end with that thought. Because is there anything more exciting to think that God could direct my actions, my words, in a way that will point people to him and also will allow others to come to know him? And part of that adventure is, you know, eternity will be different because you're willing to allow God's spirit to direct and empower you to be God's instrument to change the world. And I think that's pretty exciting. So let me leave you with three practical questions. The first one comes from, be very careful then how you live. Are you being careful about how you're living spiritually, relationally, intellectually, morally? The second question, in what ways are you seeking to discover what is pleasing to God? And then the third question, What other things compete for the control center of your life other than God's Spirit? As you reflect on those questions, I hope it'll take you to a new place spiritually and encourage you to live out what God commands us to do, and that is to live empowered and directed by His Spirit. Thank you.